I think we should go back farther because we still haven't explained really how we are the weirdos who came to meet each other, like how we got into these issues. Because like something we talk about a lot on the podcast is not a lot of people pay attention to this problem. That's changing, of course, now. Most people aren't even aware that it's a problem. Most people just accept the status quo. So like, how did the two of you start to see cars or the way we build our cities and towns as a problem? that needed fixing, even if you didn't know how to fix it. Okay. We're going to get deep here. Yeah. It was a spring day in 1986. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Sometime before my 16th birthday. Aaron's lying on a couch. Sarah's taking notes. (laughs) No, so it really was a spring day in 1986. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm just trying to think back to my first driving lesson with my dad. And I remember exactly where it was. It was in this like church parking lot in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. And I would have turned 16 in May of 1986. So it was probably like February or March of that month. And I was trying to get my driver's license because like in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, you know, even though it's somewhat walkable and bikeable, you really needed a driver's license to have any kind of freedom in an eastern suburb of Cleveland. And so I was desperate to get that driver's license. And we're in the church parking lot. We were in my dad's Honda Accord. It was actually a pretty nice little car. And I remember sitting in the driver's seat for the first time and being surprised that when you lifted your foot up off the brake, the car rolled forward. I was like, okay, learn something new. (laughs) But before my dad would let me even put the key in the ignition and start the car, he like looked at me very seriously and he was like, look, here's what you need to understand. A car is a weapon. You're like in control of a weapon. And I think he made me sort of like repeat that back to him. A car is a weapon. It was kind of a profound moment because he had that attitude because his mom was killed by a drunk driver in 1958. So when he was 19 years old or so, He's like a New York City kid off at college in Illinois Wesleyan University. It's like some place that gave him a football scholarship. He was like very much on the verge of just becoming a hoodlum, like most of his friends in the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) A hoodlum or a firefighter or something like that. And the story goes that he was just like sort of at a fraternity party on a Saturday night when, you know, my aunt Annette had to call him. And, you know, she's like, keeps calling and people are like, we're at a party and like, you know, hanging up the phone. There's like one phone in the frat house or something. (laughs) And then finally he gets this call and it's just like, gets put on with his dad, you know, my grandfather, who's just this like Eastern European immigrant guy, (laughs) dry cleaner. And grandpa Abe just goes, Arthur, come home. Your mother's dead. Click. Wow. Like just a, just like. He didn't have it. He was completely Ugh. zonked out. So they they had just been like all walking together in this like little vacation town called Lakewood, New Jersey. And this drunk driver came flying up the road and just plowed into two women. One was my grandmother and the other was, they were both named Clara. Anyways, so that's where my dad comes by his deep trauma around cars. And that was... <laughs> passed on to me in a very overt way like Mm. just realize like you are in control of a very dangerous thing like you could be in control of a gun right now but you're in control of a car so you have to treat it as such 
I mean, I feel like that's a really unusual perspective for people in that era to have. Like, you know, most people weren't talking about cars as weapons at that point. Definitely not. And it's not how any of my friends treated their cars. And, you know, I, I have to say, even me as like a teenage boy, like driving around Cleveland, I did stuff that now I like look back at it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's how we drove you know, like after drinking a couple beers or just like trying to get to somebody's house and going like, let's hit 90 miles an hour. It's not like it necessarily stopped me from driving like an idiot because I was a teenager in a car. But I did have this thing where every time if I was out at night, and this was true for my brother, sister and I, my dad would not go to sleep until we were home. So like you could come home at like 2 a.m. and there would be like Art Napperstack Again, another underwear reference, but he would be in his underwear <laughs> at the front door. Um, and he would also hug you. You would get a hug when you came home. And it was, it was you know, a loving hug, but it was also like, I am sniffing you for alcohol and <laughs> yeah. cigarette smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because I want to know if you were driving, like, while drinking, which was, like, a, just amazing. So there was this kind of, like, there's this constant sort of, like, dad on my shoulder just being like, you have to drive really carefully, mm. which I do think was unusual. And maybe if it didn't soak in when I was 17, I think it like eventually did. And now I've passed on this wow. thing to my own kids, hopefully. 